It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Try Haven Brand Soil Conditioners, providing generations of gardeners with a truly all-natural alternative to chemical fertilizers with their line of composted manure and alfalfa teas. Easy to brew and use on all indoor and outdoor plants. Find them online at manuretea.com. Hello, Rose friends. Today I'm joined by Kimberly Dean. You might know her as the Rose Geek from her YouTube channel or her Facebook group. Now, Kimberly is a master gardener and an official rose geek who is dedicated to sharing her garden experiences. Hey, Kimberly, welcome to Rose Chat. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here today. I love talking about roses, and I'm so glad that I get to chat with you about them. Oh, me too. Me too. I've been wanting to talk to you for some time. But now, Kimberly... You have 600 roses, right? <laughs> I have a little problem, and <laughs> I, I love roses. And, you know, I think every year I just I see a new variety, and I want to try it. People can tell me that, you know, a certain rose doesn't perform well in my environment, and I just want to give it a try. And so I, I have found that with that, now I'm over 600 roses, and I anticipate that it's going to start slowing down because I am running out of space and we'll start looking in the future at which roses are performing and which roses might need to be rehomed. And I never feel bad about rehoming a rose because my sister has a very large garden and she's happy to take all of the roses that um, need a new home. Oh, see, that's great. I've started, um, I've been at my garden for, I think, 33 years. And um, so I have started before new ones come in, others have to go. And if it's a good rose, I'll share it with a friend. But if it's given me fits, I usually just, you know, put it on the burn pile. But I've I've had to put parameters too. But Kimberly, let's go back. What started all this? Well, when I think back to when I first started to even think about roses, my part-time job uh, when I was, before I was married, so we'll say, you know, 25 years ago, I was working at a, a store, a fragrance store, and it was called Crabtree and Evelyn. And I had a part-time job there, so spending many hours trying to educate myself on these products I learned during that time that there are different fragrances and notes, and I started to really educate myself on what I like and what I don't. And I really honed in on one line that they had at the time, and it was Evelyn. And I was so taken with the scent of this rose. And I did as much research as I could, and I wanted to know everything I I could about this product. And it turns out that there was a collaboration between David Austin Roses and Crabtree and Evelyn to create this fragrance that we know as Evelyn to mimic that rose. And I'm telling you, it is spot on. I loved it and wore it for years. And unfortunately, they are not making that line anymore. But I knew that when I had my own garden one day, that I wanted to have Evelyn in my yard. And sure enough, that was the first <laughs> rose that I added. And it has a newbie, Rosarian at the time, 
I, I thought that there were only David Austin roses. I didn't realize that there were other breeders and I just hyper-focused on all things David Austin. And so I added Graham Thomas and I was really inspired by, gosh, you know, here's this rose and it's growing taller than me. It's eight foot, it's prolific. <laughs> and so then I, I thought, well, let me go ahead and try another David Austin. And I remember adding two other varieties that I won't mention just in case people really have um, great experiences with them, but they didn't do well for me. They just, they weren't as prolific as Evelyn and Graham Thomas. And I thought, well, that's weird. You know, I just assumed that in my layman's outlook now on roses, that all roses have a scent and they're all prolific and blooming. And so I just wanted to keep adding. And then that brought me to knockouts, which blew my mind because here you've got these roses that don't stop. I mean, they're blooming mm -hmm. and they need very little care. And the tag said, you know, grows to be about four feet by four feet. Well, <laughs> these things were monsters and they were like eight foot tall. <laughs> and so that's really what started my progression of, I want to figure this out. I want to figure out what I like and what I don't and what roses perform well in my garden. And so now here we are. 600 plus roses later and every day I'm still finding something I like and something that I don't and just trying to develop something that makes me happy absolutely there's so much there's the history there's the beauty there's the fragrance there's the stories that we hear you know you're like me you hear stories from people and then you fall in love with the story and then you fall in love with the rose and there's so many things that bring them to us I agree it's just wonderful. Now tell our folks where you garden. So where I garden is in Southern Maryland on the Potomac River. And where this, um, this property, learning about this property in my environment here is different than where we lived in our last home. The last home that we had, the soil there, we had voles. Um, so they were constantly <laughs> burrowing. And um, I, I think that oh, we had nematodes and I learned about nematodes mm. in the soil and that made it so that I couldn't have boxwoods. Here, living on the Potomac, what we struggle with are um, it's a high water table and clay soil. And so some parts of the yard we can plant directly into the ground, no issues. Some parts of the yard are so, so that water table gets so bogged down that I still want to have roses but I need to work with that soil mm -hmm. to figure out what will work. And just giving it a little bit of a raised bed six inches out of the ground is enough so that I can have rose gardens in those areas too. So here in Southern Maryland, um, our biggest uh, issues are sawfly larvae. It's very humid. And so a lot of gardeners can hopefully appreciate how difficult it is during the summer to get outside and you have to go out and like, you have to really manage your time of, I'm going to go out for 10 minutes at a crack because it's miserable during the summer. It's just so hot. Um, but other than that, it's a wonderful environment. And I love having the waters down, uh, the roses down by the water to try to figure out, okay, well, which ones can tolerate the high winds and um, a little bit of spray from the water. And of course, I've added Peggy Martins down there this year mm -hmm. to see how they do. Oh, 
See, um, it's just so good for people to realize that that you're doing this and you're not doing this in Eden. This is not the Garden of Eden. This is not a perfect situation. No, and I what I also try to share with people when I do videos is nothing that I do. I never want people to think that I'm going for perfection because we're not going to achieve that. And so with my gardens, you're going to see black spot. You're going to see a real garden that is managed by one master gardener and everybody is the master gardener in their own garden. And there's usually only one of us. And (laughs) I want them to know that how it looks. And I think oftentimes what I'm trying to share with people, when we're looking at a picture of something really beautiful in a catalog, uh, in a flyer, that is a picture of something that is maintained by 12 people and it's their full-time job. And (laughs) so I want people to realize what a real garden looks like. And so sometimes when I have videos, I think when I was originally starting my channel and people were trying to get used to me, they would comment and say, wow, you've got black spot on that one. Or, um, wow, you've got damage. And my hope is always just to say, yeah, you know, I absolutely do. And, you know, I struggle with it just like everybody else. I think the roses still look beautiful, but I really want to help change the perception of what a healthy garden looks like. That's organic. And it's okay that it's not perfect. Absolutely. You mentioned your channel. So let's move into talking about social media and you're becoming the Rose Geek. Ah, okay. So when I first started my channel, it was about a year ago. And I knew that I wanted to share with people. And I thought at the time that the most interesting thing that I could share was how to maintain a garden. And so I came up with this idea that I was going to show everybody how I do this efficiently and some tips and tricks that I've come up with. And so I started my YouTube channel and it was called the 30 minute gardener. And I put out two videos that I found boring myself. And I was so discouraged (laughs) because I thought, who really wants to watch a video on how to defoliate a rose? And that's the whole focus of the channel is how to, you know, do everything in 30 minutes a day. Because as I mentioned, it's so humid. I can't be out there for hours on end usually. So I came in and I was talking to my husband. I said, you know, I really want to share with people and he said, well, you know, what do you think? What do you, what are you thinking that you want to share? And I said, well, I'm just a rose geek. That's all I am. And I just really want to talk about roses, but I don't know if there are <laughs> other people out there like me that just want to talk about roses all the time. And so he said, well, you know what, let's just go with that and let's see how it goes. You're going to be the rose geek. And so that was the start of the channel. And, um, You'll, if, I, I laugh right now when I go back and I look at my very first video because I can see how nervous I am in that <laughs> video. And now it's so common for me to do an unboxing. But when I look at that very first video, I just look petrified. But it brings me joy uh, to know, you know, how many videos that I've put together on unboxings now. And I'm hoping that it's value added and that people enjoy knowing what to expect. Oh, I just love the simple the simplicity of that. I'm just a rose geek. When I started my blog, it was about 11, I don't know, 12, 11 years ago. And um, 
I thought, I just want to do, I just want to do a diary, the garden diary, because I was getting so many questions about my garden. My kids had moved away. They wanted to know what was going on in the garden. I wanted to share pictures and just what I'm doing. So I chose the garden diary. And it's turned out to be so simple, but so perfect. This is, if you want to know what's going on in my garden, it's, this is my diary. This is kind of what's going on. And this is what's blooming. So that was the big importance to me. And I wanted people to know simply that you can grow roses in your backyard. You know, it can be a part of, you know, um, any landscape. So anyway, very simple, very simple idea on that. And I think that name, very simple, but boy, it packs a punch. I agree. And, you know, my, my, since then, my channel has evolved a little bit. I still do those unboxings so that people know what to expect and they're not caught off guard. But then we do, of course, a focus on organic gardening and suggestions in case people are looking how to treat something um, of garden tours. And I'm showing everything in the garden. And then, you know, just a little bit of maintenance here and there. Um, so I do love sharing with everybody. And the channel has really evolved since then. And I just enjoy doing it. And I enjoy sharing with everybody. And another great thing about it, I think, is that you um... – you know, effortlessly invite people to join along too. I think that is just, you know, you've opened it up as a community and that is so important. You know, um, all gardeners, you know, want to find those other people that are like them that are growing what they love, or it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be rocket science, but it's what you love. I agree. And, you know, I've had so many people that uh, would comment on the videos. And what I found during that time is that, YouTube is, it felt like it was a one-way conversation where I'm putting out this video and people can comment and we can kind of talk back and forth in the comments, but people were saying, hey, I'd really like to show you this. I mean, it's a problem or this isn't my experience with that rose. And so from that, that's where the Facebook page started. And so we started the uh, Rose Geeks Facebook page as a community where like-minded people who are striving to be organic or want to learn more about it are on that page and sharing their love of roses, their pictures, their questions. And I have really loved this Facebook group and it's smaller right now. I think we're still under 4,000 people uh, within a year, but it's a constant, you know, communication and post and people can stay engaged. And what we did last year that was really fun, um, I think we started it after the holidays. So it might have actually been in January of this year. Uh, We decided that we really wanted to do something as a community to support Rose Rosette disease. And so we um, had a calendar that we made and we uh, put together um, pictures. We voted on them of, you know, the best pictures from the page. And we made this beautiful calendar, which I'm so proud of the Rose Geeks community for helping us to create. Mm -hmm. And in one month we made a thousand dollars to support Rose Rosette disease. And so I'm hoping that that'll be something that we continue doing in the future. And of course, having more time starting in maybe September or October, putting the calendars together so that we can support Rose Rosette disease. Uh, But this community has been fantastic. And Mm -hmm. the only other thing that I'll add from that is that since then, we've also created another Facebook page that people might not know about. And that's Rose Geeks Propagation. 
And that is a page uh, for people that want to share cuttings, trade cuttings. And these are cuttings that are certainly out of patent, um, but we're mm-hmm. hoping keep them in circulation, and hopefully get them back into the hands of a lot of our small business vendors so that they can make them available for anybody that wants them. So the community is growing, and I'm just so excited to see where it goes in the future. You know, social media, although we need parameters, of course, um, personal and professional, but it has been such a good thing. It can connect us in ways we just never, ever dreamed of. You know, like you, I have friends all over the world, and I love that. And we're connected through this thing that we love. And and so social media has really opened so many doors. And for that education, too, and then to to raise awareness for Rose Rosette and have people participate and donate, it's just fabulous. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And what we also found during the winter months when everybody is missing their gardens, missing, you know, socializing with their fellow Rosarians, what we started, I think it was in September. Maybe was it September? My memory's foggy. But we started a monthly meeting online, uh, no dues. And it was a place for uh, Rose Geeks to come together. And what we did was we had a speaker, a subject matter expert every month. And so we had a matter, a SME come through for gall and rose rosette disease another month. We also talked about how to plan your gardens. And so we had these topics. But before the meeting, we also had a breakout room for zones. And so I love social media so that we can meet virtually, um, especially, you know, in times when we're not able to meet in person because of what might be going on in the world. It's just a great way to keep communicating with your fellow Rosarians. And, and, I, and I joke that a lot of times when we're just typing on the Internet, um, we, we miss that ability to be able to verbally communicate. And one of the things that was brought out painfully to me is my <laughs> pronunciation of a lot of words. But I have no way of knowing that gentle Hermione <laughs> is gentle Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, I'm looking at it phonetically. And so a lot of times when I was doing tours in the past, um, I would really butcher a name. And I felt horrible about it because I didn't want the breeder um, to be, I feel like he was being disrespected, he or him or her. Um, but I, that made me also aware that we need to be able to verbally communicate with each other, not just typing away on these social medias, but what you and I are doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking to one another is really important. It, it's, it certainly is. You know, we're so glad for, for these um, opportunities, but it's so nice when we can expand them into more. Uh, I used to say all the time that screen to screen can lead to face to face. And it's so true because, you know, if you're shy or introverted or now with with COVID, you know, um, you just might not tip your toe into the big, you know, verbal. I mean, the big visual world. But, you know, you can you can. Um, jump into the water slowly by an online screen-to-screen presence, and then from there move to um, to people-to-people and that sort of thing. So it gives people the opportunity to check it out in a safe way before they, you know, jump in with both feet. So I really like that part. Well, and it's it's I think it's really interesting. What I'm finding in the garden community is that 
there's just such a sense of fellowship. And when you meet somebody, oftentimes, uh, you feel like you've known them for a long time. And I say that because um, one of my friends, uh, Don from Irreverence for Roses, he got in touch with me one day and he said, you know what, we'd love to have you come down um, and stay with my wife and I. We want to show you the gardens. We want to introduce you to the uh, rose community down here. And I immediately said yes without thinking about it. And I'm a <laughs> bit of an introvert. And then when I hung up the phone, I thought, is that weird? Is that weird that I don't know this person and I've just agreed to come stay at his house? It's so true. It's so and, true. And that, but it felt so comfortable because of our love of roses. And so I'm hoping that there, uh, anybody who is feeling a little introverted, um, you can always join any of these pages, not just the Rose Geeks, but any page on Facebook and just kind of be a fly on the wall um, and watch for a while. And I think that you'll find that these are your people and mm -hmm. that they love sharing with you. So I'm hoping that more people will get um, involved in um, all of these different avenues that are available for them. I do too. I do too. Okay. So let's get back to roses now, 600, but of all of those, I'm very curious as to which ones are your current favorites. And I say current because I know how hard it is to choose. Right. So my favorite is typically whichever one is in bloom. And I can <laughs> watch one that's in bloom and ooh and ah and say, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. Yay. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And then I move a couple feet over and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you are my favorite today. So I, I have a lot of favorites. But I think as we hone in on um, which roses are absolute standouts in my garden. I would have to look at anything that I have more than three of because I often plant in groupings of three so that the roses look bigger. Um, and so Benjamin Britten is everywhere in my garden. And <laughs> when I first moved into this house, I added 35 Benjamin Britten in a matter of a few years. And he was really my only focus because he has such an interesting color and it's hard to say. I mean, is he red? Is he rust? And then those cuppy outer petals kind of have a white wash to them like they've been you know, washed through with the rain and the color is just muted. So I love Benjamin Britten and I have him paired with apricots. I have him with reds. I have him with yellows. I have him with everything. He is just a great contrast. Other favorites of mine are Sonnenwelt. And Sonnenwelt um, was only available from one vendor this year. And so I'm hoping that more vendors will offer it in the future. But it's a Cordes rose. And Cordes does so well for us here mm -hmm. in our environment. Is you've got that nice, dark, glossy leaves with all of their roses. And what I like about Cordes is that I struggle with black spot. And this rose laughs at black spot. And at the end of the season, when you look really close at the leaves, you say, oh, yeah, you did have a little bit, didn't you? But mm -hmm. it does not affect the growth of the rose. And so then besides Sonnenwelt, Bliss Parfuma is 
amazing. I mean, this rose is, I, I have a hedge that I've put together now with her and she's reminiscent of Evelyn for me, that really oh. light pink. And then when you look at the inner colors of apricot on her and just such a beautiful bloom. So she is a standout also in our garden. And if anybody was looking for companion plants, I use Nepeta throughout the garden to bring everything together so that I can have lots of colors together in the garden. But Nepeta is one of my favorite companions. And wait, and before we go any further, tell me what is your favorite? Oh, let's right now. Mm, let's see. Um, Vanessa Bell. Yeah. I'm just crazy about Vanessa Bell. And um, I bought another one this year. And, and one is just finishing up and one's just getting started. Absolutely outstanding rose. And you mentioned Cordis. Right now, my Pompanella is absolutely fabulous. I have two of those. And they're so big. And they're just those little balls. Of, yeah. oh, little balls. Do you have Pompanella? I don't, but I can picture exactly what you're oh. talking about. And I've been, I've been looking at her for a long time. I... I've been dreaming about that rose. Oh, stop dreaming and get you, get you, get you you too. She's wonderful. (laughs) The first time I saw her was in um, the Peggy Rockefeller Rose Garden in New York. And my daughter and I were there and we absolutely fell in love. It was a whole bed of them. And then when I was a judge at the Biltmore Rose Trials, there's a whole bed of Pompanella there as well. So that was New York. That was, um, at uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and it does well for me. So Cordis does well for lots and lots of people. And I have several Cordis roses, but that is definitely, you know, a standout. I just love her. Just so yeah, pretty. That one's only four foot tall. So that, that would f- be able to tuck in in a lot of different places. So yeah, I will definitely grab her in the next year. Now she's flouncy. So four foot, I mean, you, she needs some room because she's flouncy okay. and that beautiful flouncy way that I just adore. So she's not just a real compact little four by four. So, well, and I've heard you talk about mother of pearl. How many mother of pearl do you have? Seven. <laughs> and you cannot have too many. Are they in a hedge or are they just scattered? They're just, they're in a grouping off my patio. Okay. Absolutely fantastic. Apricot color, profuse bloomer. The blooms hang on a long time. Even when they're almost spent, they still look fabulous. Nice fragrance, healthy. It's a grandiflora. Did I already say that? I mean, it's absolutely outstanding. And I have... It paired with some uh, Casablanca lilies that are getting ready to to bloom here in a few weeks. And so that works really well. And I, too, use a lot of Nepeta. I just love it. It just softens all those edges and in that beautiful way. I love that, too. So, um, yes, um, I just can't say enough good about that, Rose. It's fabulous. Well, and I have Mother of Pearl down by the river. And so she is doing so well. And she gets spray off of the water. She gets mm-hmm. high winds. She does not care. And so I do love her also. Great leaves. And she's uh, a sturdy, sturdy plant. Well, and, and going back to Vanessa Bell, I 100% agree. What an amazing rose Vanessa is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I love about that her color is for those people that are nervous about yellows, because I talk to some people and they'll say, hi, oh, you know, I don't know if yellow's for me. This is a this is tipping your toes into mm-hmm. the yellow field because yes. it has the very lightest 
color of yellow as that bloom starts and then it fades down to this beautiful cream. So I highly recommend uh, Vanessa Bell also. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, I, I, I have a little trouble with reds and two yellow, although I did buy South Africa because all the pictures are just awesome and it is not subtle in any way. It's just now blooming and I think I'm going to love it, but it is definitely not a subtle, but I'm a little funny about yellows in the garden too. And so, but Vanessa, she is just soft and beautiful. Well, and it's funny that you brought up South Africa because when I look at the pictures of South Africa, my eyes are seeing a apricotty color and when I've added South Africa it is yellow and I only gave it one season I really did not I normally give a rose three to four seasons to make sure that before I get rid of them just in case this one I just said I don't know if South Africa can fit into this bag because I had it next to Distant Drums. And if anybody mm-hmm. knows what Distant Drums mm-hmm. is, it's a very muted color of um, coffee and mauve. Right? <laughs> and so South Africa next to it, it didn't work. But what's really interesting is my friend that I gave South Africa to sent me pictures. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so I yes. said, well, I guess I guess it just likes your yard better. So I might end up adding South South Africa again. <laughs> well, today I'm seeing the first, you know, this week, the first blooms. And so when I was out today, I took a few pictures and it's gold. It's just, yes. I don't know how it's going to fade because it's brand new, but it is definitely gold. It is gold and bold, but yes. it's actually very close to Pompanella and music box. Okay. So it might work there. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely different for me, but Bet the internet has been filled with beautiful pictures of it. Well, I can't wait to watch your Instagram so that I can watch (laughs) you post the true color and uh, we'll see how that goes. Yes, yes. Well, I will definitely put it out. But let's, there's another rose that I want to mention. I'm not sure it's out yet because I do get roses early from some of the growers to test. But Proven Winners has something either brand new out or be out next year called reminiscent crema oh right fabulous it's just beautiful yes yes have you posted that to your instagram no no i just she's just now started to bloom and um and i just took her first picture this morning so tell me what you like about her because i've been they with the reminiscent collection i i think they had maybe three different colors Mm -hmm. and um, i have the pink and um it's beautiful too. What I like about them, they're more, um, they're shrub roses. I mean, they're more, you know, they're, they're the healthy, more probably be in the category of shrub roses. However, they look more like a David Austin. They're full petaled, fragrant. Um, so we'll see. I have several new ones that I'm trying out of those lines, but boy, the first blooms are beautiful. Oh, well, I'm glad that you said that. I had an opportunity to test those out, and I was really on the fence whether or not they would, you know, fit into what I was thinking about here. But I do love Proven Winners um, Ringo All Star. Now, that's a rose for anybody that wants a pop of color. It really looks mm-hmm. like a party, but it reminds me of how prolific it is um, as a, a knockout rose, um, something that doesn't care whether you're going to deadhead it or not it's just going to keep on blooming and so ring girl all-star by proven winners is really beautiful 
Mm-hmm. I just I just uh, deadheaded Ringo today. Last year at my open garden, it got a lot of attention because it is a different, more healthemia in look. And um, but it bloomed. Its first bloom cycle was prolific, but it's it's now finished for now. But it was beautiful. But even as it faded and was almost done, it still held all of its colors. So that Ringo series is really nice. Now, I'm looking at Ringo right now that you mentioned that, and it's showing. It looks very much like Ringo All-Star, except the Ringo is a, uh, a muted yellow with an interior color of red, and the Ringo All-Star is a rosy pink color. Um, and, of course, some of the alternating petals um, on other blooms might be a very light approaching white. But are there other roses in that Ringo series that I didn't know about? There's double pink. Did you say double pink? No, I didn't. Okay, double pink. It's coming out. I think double oh. pink probably with the new ones for 2023. I think if you go to provenwinners.com, you can order them, but they're not in the garden centers yet. So I think those will be in the garden centers next year, but people can see them on provenwinners.com and I think order them. So there is a series. It's Ringo, uh, double double Ringo and then Ringo all star. So there's at least three in that series. Very cool. You can't go wrong there. No, you can't, you cannot at all. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, they've got a lot of just really great new things. And I think that that's why you and I have to be so careful. We, we love them and the hybridizers are doing such a wonderful job. I mean, every year, so many great ones are coming out and um, and I love that because I want lots of blooms. I want bloom makers. I want bouquet makers. Um, so I want to share those with people. And so if a room is, you know, it, it can leave my garden very quickly if it's just real stingy with blooms. I want blooms. And I want fragrance, but I want, you know, I, I will take blooms even if I can't get fragrance because, you know, there'll be something fragrant in the bouquet. So um, anyway, I just, uh, I want those bloom makers and, and all of these hybridizers are coming up some really, really good things. I agree. And as my collection has grown, fragrance has, is not the most important thing for me. I know everybody likes something a little bit different and they'll say, if it doesn't have a fragrance, it can't be in my garden. For me, I, because I have, you know, a lot of different things to choose from, um, the most fragrant things for me in my garden are actually not even roses. It's mm-hmm. the lilacs and the gardenias. And so I'm okay if a rose doesn't have a lot of scent. I really just want a huge bloom mm-hmm. and I want disease resistance. And so I think when I first started my journey with roses, I wanted to collect lots of roses. And um, I was really focused on the English David Austin roses And it's interesting to me, in this year, as I've been watching my garden, I find myself straying away from that a little bit without, I don't have that desire like I Mm -hmm. did because the older varieties, some of them, not all of them, some of these older varieties are just very stingy, like you said, and there's so many other great varieties that they come out with that are so prolific. They don't give you as much trouble. And so those are the ones that I need to keep on adding and then taking out the ones that are a little bit more trouble because we all need easy gardens. We don't want something that brings us stress in our garden. No, we do not. Um, While we're talking about favorites, I'll throw out another that has been my favorite for so many years. And I have, I've had nine of them. I've shared some now with others probably have, seven or 
maybe I had 11 and now I have nine, but that's Music Box as a part of the Easy Elegance collection. I have a lot of the Easy Elegance collection and Music Box is just an outstanding rose for me. Music Box. I'm going to have to look that one up. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Okay. I'm definitely going to look that up. Who's the breeder? Uh, Ping Lim. Okay. All right. You know what? I see that right now. It looks like, um, it kind of reminds me of Life of the Party. Um, maybe it's, a, it has a yellow white interior, but then the outer petals are pink. Um, uh, very pretty. So yeah, I'm going to have to definitely check that one out. And so do you find that it's disease resistant? prolific? Very, oh, very much so. Both, both, both. And when you're looking at the pictures, just know that when it starts out, it's a smaller rose. It's not small, but it's not a huge rose, but, um, it looks like just a perfect little hybrid tea, but it's going to finish as a full rose that's a dusty rose. It's going to start with a yellow bud, and then it's going to be kind of bicolor, pink and yellow, and then it's going to finish with this, a, a full on a full bloom and just a dusty rose. So there's oh. all, I mean, and it, it does well as a cut flower, but wear your gloves. It has oh. a thorn or two. <laughs> Now, have you um, tried standards yet? No, no. I just, well, if anybody's been watching my videos, they know that I had a real problem last year and it was just terrible because I I lost 12 standards, I think. Mm. It might have even been more than 12 standards. So I was devastated last year when that happened because I really wanted to add some upward growth. And I I had a couple of climbers, but I wanted to dabble in something else. And what I'll share with everybody this year is I am overcome with um, joy with these standards that I have now as replacements. And Carding Mill is amazing. I added um, Darcy, um, and Darcy mm-hmm. Bustle is prolific with very dark reds, but now you've got these Carding Mill standards, which is this beautiful apricot, and it's so mm-hmm. soft. And this rose has been so prolific in its first year, and I love it. And now I've added Raw Doll, D-A-H, L. And that one for me, I'm having a little bit of difficulty with the blooming just because it's burning in the sun and oh. it doesn't like its location. So we're going to keep on working on those to see if we can um, grow it a little bit. And then Desdemona. And Desdemona has always been a great rose for us, but I have them scattered around um the gardens. And the only thing that I'll add, if anybody's listening right now and they're thinking about standards, is take a look at that height that um, you're looking at the vendor because these David Austins will grow six foot. So it's going to give you a lot of nice vertical mm-hmm. height. Um, and you can group them together for a bigger impact or you can flank a driveway. But now I just bought standards from a different vendor and they're only two foot tall. And I'm thinking, well, those I don't want in the ground. Those are so tiny. I might need to definitely just keep those in pots. So I hope everyone will consider looking at standards because they really are fun to add some vertical height um, if you're looking for something besides just a climber. Good idea. Great idea. Well, Kimberly, let's talk just a little bit about uh, caring for these roses. We've talked about it a little bit, but what are some of your favorite products to use? I mean, you've got a lot of roses. I do, and I have to make it easy. Um, so for um, the garden, I am always focused on organic. And so let's just say in the event that I'm struggling with whatever it is, 
Um, and I don't really have uh, spider mites. I'll knock on wood with that one. But my struggles are sawfly larvae and um, black spot. Those are my biggies. And so the first thing that I'm going to do to attack anything that's going on with the rose is defoliate. I give it an opportunity to flush back um, fresh green growth without using any products at all. In the event that I'm going to hit it again with something besides defoliation, I'm always going to the Bonide site, and that's B-O-N-I-D-E, Bonide. And researching what they have available there, most of their products are organic, but you're going to want to look at the label just in case. Uh, but whether it is cutting a rose and pruning a cane, I want to use the Bonide um, seal and prune, and that's that black tar that goes onto the end of the cane because we have uh, cane borers that'll come in and drill themselves right down to that crown. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I really started taking a look, but that has been a saver for me to use the prune and seal. So I carry that around with me. Um, I've used the uh, Captain Jack's dead bug and that will treat uh, thrips, um, sawfly larvae, but I just don't like bringing out a lot of sprays because I'm so concerned about the beneficials. And mm -hmm. since I have gone nearly no spray, I don't want to say that I'm no spray, but I really try to take a very uh, cautious approach. I can't even tell you. I mean, the pictures don't even capture how many butterflies and bees and all of the insects that are living in harmony in the garden and they're beneficials. And mm -hmm. so I really implore everybody to try to just take once a year, I know how hard it is to take synthetics out of your garden, but take one product a year and see if you can live without it and find mm -hmm. an organic solution. And I'm telling you, you are going to be so happy. And I'll, and I'll give you one example. Um, this year, I had zero aphids. I prepared myself. I was, you know, I knew that at the beginning of the season, when you have that initial beautiful soft growth, you're going to have a ton of aphids. I looked and looked and looked. I had none. And I think I, I attribute the success to two things. And, and, and not that aphids are even a problem. I really want people to realize that if you have aphids on your plants, um, beneficials will eventually come in and take care of it. And you only usually have to deal with it for such a short period, maybe two weeks. Um, so I would let it go unless you have an overwhelming population of aphids. But back to my success, what I think that the success is from is I waited to um, do my fertilization until exactly one month before I anticipated the blooms based on the previous year. So normally I would be so eager to fertilize really early in the season. And I think what happens when you do that is you push that fresh growth so quickly and there are no beneficials that are awake yet. They're all, you know, still sleepy time. And so I think that if I could implore everybody to just wait a little bit longer to do your initial treatment, that's going to help you because then the uh, beneficials are going to be there to take care of them. And of course, make sure that you have companion plants um, that are going to help bring all of those beneficials in. So anyways, um, so that is my favorite care products would be, of course, manually removing, defoliating when you need to. And then if you have to bring in bonine products. Oh, and I didn't mention one. <laughs> and that is neem. I use neem. Um, only before um, the beneficials are out. So let's say as soon as um, I am doing my spring prune and I've got a bare 
uh, rows here now that I have defoliated. I'm going to spray neem into, and that's N-E-E-M for anybody listening that hasn't used that. I'm going to spray that on the soil itself, which sounds kind of weird, but there are um, insects that are burrowing at the base of your rows and then have spray those canes until they're dripping. So I only use neem though initially that first time because I'm waiting um, for the beneficials and I don't want to affect them. And so as I'm going into finishing my first flush right now, and I know that I've got um, black spot and I know I've got sawfly larvae and I'm sure everybody has seen them in my videos. I'm finishing this first flush. Now I'm going to defoliate. There will not be any beneficial insects that are even latching onto my roses because there's no leaves. There's no blooms. <laughs> well, now I'm bringing out the neem again. And so be very careful about when you're using neem, but it's a very effective product. Uh, two more products that I'll bring up, and that deals with fertilization. In prior years, I have used rose tone granular, and I've used fish fertilizer, fish emulsion. And I would, um, you know, rotate each month what I'm using. Um, and, of course, focusing if it's a very new rose that you just planted that year, I'm only using liquid for that first year. Um, if it's an older rose and it's established, it, it gets that granular. So that's what I had been doing in years past. And this year I have found Rose Tone works amazing, but then I'm using a booster product with that um, Rose Tone. So I'm putting the granular down and then I'm putting great big roses, which is a liquid humic acid. I'm using that on top of the rose tone to water it in. And I have seen great growth. And for anybody Ooh. not familiar with great big roses, this key product, humic acid, what it does is it allows the rose to pull up those nutrients more efficiently than if it had not had that product. So if you were having a soil test done and you're like, hey, you know, my soil's great. There's no reason why these roses are not performing. If you're still having problems and you don't think that there's anything that's in the soil causing an issue, like, you know, a rock underneath your rose, um, try great big roses because it's allowing that rose to pull up all of those great nutrients that you've got in your soil. So those are the two things that I'm using this year concerning fertilization, and I'm doing that every single month. I'll do it. Um, I started late April, and I'll go through until the last week in um, August for my zone because that is six weeks before our first freeze and then calling it done. So those are my favorite <laughs> rose care products. Excellent. But where do we get great? Is it great big? Yeah. So um I, I um, have a collaboration that I did with um, the marketing manager for Great Big Roses. And, and the company name is called Great Big Plants. Uh, you'll hear people often say GBR as an acronym. I'm using GBR and I'm having great results. Um, and so um, you have to go to, well, you can get it on Amazon. Um, you can get it directly from the Great Big Plants site. Um, but in, in the event that you're skeptical like I was, I thought, why do I want to add another product? Everything that I'm doing is great. My roses are blooming. And I started to kind of scratch my head and I'm like, but I do have black spot. I wonder if this is going to help. And I talked to my friend and she said, you've got to try it. It is life changing. And I don't have black spot. Now, 
I haven't been able to totally fix Boxbot, but I'll tell you, it's a lot better. And I, I did a video out there um, last year where I showed the results where I did the um, treatment. And then I'm not sure how many weeks later, if it was three weeks later, but there was two foot of growth on most of my roses and roses that had not been creating basal breaks where you've just got like one cane left and it's hanging on by its last thread. And you're wondering when it's going to, you know, kick the bucket, um, try great big roses because it really helps the rose to dig down and get those nutrients. And I'm telling you, you're going to be so surprised. And of course they have uh, a money back guarantee. If you're not happy, and I haven't heard of anybody who's not happy yet. Um, they will take care of you, but I implore you to try. You're going to love it. Okay, so are you using this as a soil drench, fuller feed, or? Good both? question. Um, this is a drench for the soil. So you're going to put down whatever product you're normally using. I use rose tone, but you can use uh, whatever product you're using in the soil. It's going to boost the uh, product so that you can use half of it. So I'm going to use half of the recommended dose for rose tone. And I, if memory serves, it's like a, a cup and a half for every rose. So I'm going to cut that back now to three quarters of a cup. And sometimes with 600 roses, I skimp even more and I'm going to go back to <laughs> half a cup, try to save money. So a half a cup per rose. And then you're going to use a half dose of the great big roses. And it ends up being two cups then. So two cups of GBR and a half a cup of rose tone and, um, you know, put those down together. And I typically try to do it right before we, we're going to have a gentle rain to help water mm -hmm. it in further. But I'm telling you, oh, and it doesn't have a smell. So I had been using for years and so many people would comment and say dogs dig at it. Animals from the neighborhood, they're tearing it up. If you use great big roses, there's no scent. It's an organic scent where it's kind of earthy, but it's nothing like fish where I mean, I was, whenever I would mix, mix the fish fertilizer together, I felt like I was swimming in it. I needed to be power washed after <laughs> I would use it. It's just such a mess. So I was willing to try anything else. Um, but Great Big Roses is, it's just an amazing product. And um, people on my site, they um, they were kind of uh, doing things last year where they put a, um, a tape measure out. And they did a before and, and two weeks later, and they showed the growth. Now, you would say to yourself, do I really want to push growth during the heat of the summer? And I did that test. I was, I was you know, worried about it. I'm like, well, you know, I, want the, I don't want the sun beating down on all this fresh growth. But the rose was fine, and it loved it. And so I would just ask everybody to give it a little bit of a look. And if you're interested in the real geeky details of it, Watch the collaboration video that I did with the manager from Great Big Plants, and he gets into all of the geekiness of it, of why it works. Great. I'm definitely, definitely <laughs> going to try it. I okay, those were great favorites. Very well done. But what about a tool? Do you have a favorite tool? Yes. And I wish that somebody had told me uh, when I first started gardening to use a leaf blower. And if, if there's one tool 
that I need in my garden, having as many roses as I do, it is a leaf blower, and I'll tell you why. And I use a DeWalt handheld with a rechargeable battery on it, so it's, it's light. I don't have to ask my husband to turn it on. I can use it myself. But the, the real thing is when I have my, um, my cart of everything going around in the yard, I have that. I, of course, have my um, bonine prune and seal, uh, my pruners, and I'm, I'm not um, – I don't care what kind of pruners I have. They all get the job done for me. Cheaper, the better, honestly, because I'm just going to throw them away after a year or so. I'm not, um, I'm not a snob about my pruners. Of course, alcohol to be able to dip my pruners in to make sure that I get them clean in between um, each cut if I see a problem, but definitely every rose bush, your uh, pruners need to be cleaned. And I've got my leaf blower. So why I'm using the leaf blower? Um, if your roses, like we have here, we've got, um, black spot, the black spot leaves naturally drop the yellow. They've got the dots, um, on them. They drop to the soil. If you leave those leaves in the bed and it rains, well, guess where all that fungus is going down to the roots of the plant and then back up again into the entire shrub. So it's an endless battle. So what I have found is that if I go out every day and I use a leaf blower on the bed itself, and don't be afraid to use it on the rose because if the petals are getting ready to drop anyways because they've aged, okay, great. So you forced it out of the bed. And then one less defoliation that you need to do. But it will also force off all of these yellow leaves that were getting ready to drop into your bed. So I go out every day and force all of the um, black spot leaves off the rose itself out of the bed, and uh, it has just made my life so much easier from a defoliation standpoint and then also managing uh, black spots. So that's the biggest tip that I can share with everybody for tools that has really made my, my life so much easier. Um, one of the new things that I just added concerns the Great Big Roses, and I had been um, for the past year, you know, hand mixing in one uh, one gallon containers and I would, you know, hand mix and then go over to the rose and, you know, put it on the soil and then come back and hand mix again. And it was, it took all day and I was miserable. <laughs> my, my back hurt. I mean, my rose loved it. My roses loved it, but I didn't. And so I needed to find a solution to make it so that it was not a any fertilization was not something that I was dreading. And so what I added this year was we had a pull behind um, sprayer for the lawnmower and it's 25 gallon. Now I'm doing it in a very large quantity that other people will not need in all likelihood, but I mix it directly into this 25 gallon uh, container. And I think it equates out to um, a gallon and a half of the Great Big Roses product into 25 gallons of water. And then the sprayer attachment itself, it's not a sprayer where you're um, droplets are coming out to spray the leaves. I can change that setting so that it's really more of a pour. And so what I did was I calculated, okay, if I count 10 seconds on each rose, that ends up being my two cups. And I can go around now and in a little over an hour, I can fertilize my entire yard. My back isn't killing me and it has been such a life changer. And so I've shared that with people to say, 
you know, if, if you're what you're working with, if it makes sense for you to have a backpack sprayer, consider that or go ahead and look at the twenty dollar um, hand pump sprayers that you can get and just check out that um, the way that it's uh, dispensed out of the sprayer itself to make sure that you can get a pour. And that will save you so much time to be able to mix it in volume. Absolutely. Super great tip. You know, all of that needs to be um we need to work that in with how many roses we have. So there is a good product. Don't skimp on sprayers is what we're saying. (laughs) And what is your favorite product now that I have missed or or your favorite tool that I have missed? Okay. Well, uh, something that's relatively new to me the last couple of years, and I'm hardly ever without it. And that's my hoary hoary knife. As I mentioned, I'm a cottage gardener, so things are packed in pretty tightly. And that tool, it can divide a a perennial like no other. It can get into small spaces to weed or to disturb as little amount of dirt as possible for adding in another plant and with precision so you're not disturbing the neighbor. So I've got a little holster my husband got me. I mean, I love my hoary hoary knife, very multi-purpose. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have, I've seen that term of that tool a few times and it's new to me. And so I, hold on one second. Sorry about that. (laughs) I forgot to put a note on the door. So I've seen that term a few times now with hoary hoary knife and I it's new to me. I haven't used that. There's something that I think is similar and it's a Fisker's knife that has a prong on the end that kind of looks like a fork and I use that to pull weeds um, to mm-hmm. dig into the ground but um, I'm interested now in this hoary hoary knife and is there a particular brand that I should be looking at? Well, um, my husband, it was a gift from him. And I can tell you that where I first heard about them, my daughter lives in England. And so, you know, that England is a nation of gardeners and they've got it down to fine sciences. And one of the tools that most often I heard about was their hoary hoary knife. And I thought, hoary hoary knife, what in the world? So, you know, in the spirit of English gardening and that's kind of gardening that I do and knowing more people now. Um, that actually are English gardeners, I thought, okay, I think I want that on my list. So my husband purchased it, and I'm not sure of the manufacturer, but I can tell you they're right. It is an excellent, excellent tool. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to add that to my list. My husband and my children often ask me what kind of gifts they can get me. So I'm going to tell them I need a hoary hoary knife. (laughs) It's multi-purpose, and you can just think, oh, well, I'm, I'm part English now. I there, you go. English. <laughs> there you go. Kimberly, this has been so much fun. Oh, so I'm much fun. But I've, I've added to my wish list, though. You've got me thinking, I've never had ben- Benjamin Brennan. Do I even need Benjamin Brennan? Um, so there's so many things. And um, new fertilizer. So you've just shared so many great things with us. And we just appreciate your being here. And I just appreciate all that you're adding to the Rose World. So well done. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope that we can get together and geek out again soon. I would love that. Well, friends, I hope your garden is giving you plenty of roses to geek out about today. And until next time, happy gardening. 
You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.